Since Russia invaded Ukraine on the 24th of February 2022, Ukraine's Centre for Civil Liberties has documented over 27,000 war crimes as part of its Tribunal for Putin initiative. The centre's outstanding effort to document war crimes, in fact, dates back to the annexation of Crimea in 2014. And it's one of the reasons that the centre received the 2022 Nobel Peace Prize, along with two other recipients. Sasha Romantsova is executive director of Ukraine's Centre for Civil Liberties, and I spoke with her earlier in Kiev. Hello, hello. I'm really nice to hear you. The Centre for Civil Liberties was founded in 2007. Could you tell us a little bit about how that came about and also how you came to be the executive director of the organisation? I, I wasn't here in two, uh, 2007, uh, so that was time when Human Rights Defender Organisation just started human rights and incorporate them in uh, our national legislation was one of the main goals. In 2012, maybe you heard about uh, European uh, Cup, Football Cup, which going in Ukraine and Poland. So, and that day, that uh, that year, that was first when uh, Ukrainian Human Rights Organization Center for Civil Liberties going to the street with street action about police uh, violence. But uh, from 2014, when Russia started um, aggressive war against Ukraine, first of all in Crimea after the Sindon bus, uh, exactly in that moment, uh, like a volunteer of Yevromedan Sos, I come in, and my duty was uh, sitting in the hotline uh, and accept uh, all the calls in the night. In that moment, I work in exactly in international bank system. <laughs> so that was really, really uh, other job, which exactly I do in the night. Uh, and after this, I decided to leave my bank and going to Center for Civil Liberties working like full day. And exactly I started a project of documenting war crimes in 2014. Wow. I mean, that is one of the most dramatic career shifts I have ever heard. Um, uh, could you tell me just a little bit about the work that you were doing beforehand and what a transformation it must have been in such a short time to go from working in finance to documenting war crimes? So being people by a group that was international bank uh, uh, group, which exactly joined to 85 different countries, uh, like, structure that uh, and they do usual bank services i manage some project i incorporate different um, communication for example new communication model for clients or um, last two and a half years i exactly make a big deals uh, like big uh, contract between bank and huge industrial object like for example metal steel there's 14000 people working there uh, so yeah that was really good career but not so interesting like human rights uh, so um when i come to center for civil liberty that was three three times less salary <laughs> because but that but, but but it's much more important for me so yes but, but when i come i'm started uh, we don't know exactly how documented war crimes so uh, that means that we just uh, first time we're going to uh, slavansk it's a small city in the in donetsk region which exactly uh, Stokol Girkin or Strelkov, it's a guy who started war in Donbass. He came there with a troop of professional militarians and broke whole the system uh, of defending this small city. And after this, in that moment, started all the invasion in Donbass in 2014. After three days, we were there. 
we were there. We come in like a, two cars. We don't don't have any rules. We don't have any, you know, how to call um like protocols or policies or procedures. So yes, we are uh, we exactly going to Slavyansk and trying to make video and photo for everything because that was the first place where we exactly uh, see result of this occupation. And we go into each basement, which exactly people told about that people was holding there, torturing, and still in this basement was a blood in in the in the in the wall. So it's that was like fresh just now. And after that, uh, human rights defenders community, you know, it's always high solidarity community with with high standard of supporting each other. That's next week, Croatian organization called to us. Exactly. They, they personally call to us and say, we know that you have such problem now and we can give you some experience uh, of documenting for crimes. We say, yes, sure, we need education with that. And uh, same few organizations from Latin America say send us like a message that uh, we we have a lot of experience about uh, forcibly missing persons, so we can give you these knowledges. And so it's like human rights defenders support you every time because you're inside the community. So we do that. We make uh, education in Croatia, in Serbia, in Bosnia and Herzegovina, and we uh, push our prosecutor office to create special department. And uh, exactly, we uh, educate them. And now we really good co- cooperate. So uh, we have initiative together with two other uh, human rights defender organizations. It's Kharkiv Human Rights Group in Ukrainian Helsinki Union. We uh, collect information even there. And now in our database, more than 98,000 uh, 98, war crimes in different categories from ripping, destroying hospitals or like, for example, kidnapping, torturing people, all of this in our database. You can find all this information in online statistics and any person can send us information that's happened like this. And we go into the field mission in the place where we have access, full access. Like, for example, Center for Civil Liberties, responsible for Kiev and Kiev region. So it's happened like this, from bank worker to documentary war crimes. It is a mind-boggling uh, transformation. On RN, we're speaking with Sasha Romansova, Executive Director of Ukraine's Centre for Civil Liberties. Uh, Sasha, in the same way that in 2014 you had to learn on the job the process for documenting war crimes. In some ways, I imagine that prepared you very well for the horrifying situation that your country is facing now. But at the same time, the scale of the war presumably creates other huge challenges. How similar and how different has the horrific task that you've had to take on in 2022 been to what you've been doing uh, since 2014? Uh, First of all, it's a question of scale, uh, I mean uh, that when you have um, Crimea and Donbass, that's like near the 7% of our territory. For understanding, in Donbass, uh, before 2014, leaving 6 million people. And in in Crimea, 2 million people. So a lot of people, first of all, it's huge. Uh, that was a huge flaw of um, internal displaced persons. So people started uh, like escape from there. There in Donbass, there was high level of people was kidnapped and tortured. We uh, collect evidence and testimony of people uh, about more than 
87 such places, the illegal place of detention. Why illegal? Because it's not usual jails, which you, it's like, for example, basement, more than 5,000 people for the last eight years was released from such such basements and illegal places of detention. I mean, their relatives collect money and give them to the so-called LPR-DPR authority, and they release the people. So it's exactly black market of people. And um, now all of this practice, I mean, torturing, uh, holding people in basement and everywhere, you can find in each territory of Ukraine, which was occupied. So one of the example is Yagine, when there more, more than 350 people uh, was uh, was holding in basement of uh, central, that, that small village. So this whole the population village was sitting in the basement and Russian Russian troops don't give them possibility to even go out. That's why more than 13 people dying here. It's like, you know, it's like disease, which same, same symptoms, which covering much bigger, like a pandemic, you know, they uh, they spreading in, in more territory. So, and that's why we talked about that. This disease broken the rules of the war, broken the standards of human rights in Russian Federation. What was, we, we saw that much earlier, Human rights defenders from Russia told about them much earlier. And uh, all what uh, Russia Federation and Russia Army doing in Ukraine, they do before in Syria, in Chechnya, in Georgia, in Moldova. That's why we are not react. We still, uh, like Europeans, still connect with them in economic way, still buy the oil and gas. And so, so they give them, like, they give them idea that, okay, so it's normal. That's why it's growing to such big full-scale war. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about this campaign that you call Tribunal for Putin, because I think it's really interesting exactly what model it is that the centre has for uh, when and how Vladimir Putin and the Russian aggressors should be held accountable for what has happened in Ukraine. And I wonder if you could tell us the thinking behind the center's model and maybe how it differs perhaps from what people might think of, oh, the ICC or the local courts, exactly why it is that the uh, the center has chosen this particular model. So first of all, ICC, they're working with three forms of international crimes, war crimes, crimes against humanity, crimes against genocide. In Roma Statute, which exactly based, uh, International Criminal Court based their work in this document, describe one more international uh, crime. It's called crime of aggression. Mm. But uh, but uh, International uh, Criminal Court don't have jurisdiction working with them. And International Criminal Court take only, like I told you about thousands of cases, yeah? But they take only 20 maybe cases or something like this. So it's like representative cases uh, to to typify the problem, but you're talking, you, but you've documented the yes. almost a hundred thousand now cases, right? So that's really important to understand that they will do their job. We collaborate with them, we give them information, testimonies, and all of them, but uh, they take only part of of this job, which exactly we need. Uh, second, it's you know that exists International Court of Justice uh, of UN. It's between countries, and Ukrainians sent three, three appeal there that uh, it's about genocide, about this whole the form of discrimination against women, and about discrimination of different minorities. 
it's one more part in this uh, in this in this system. Uh, third part, which exists now, it's uh, different uh, national courts which using universal jurisdiction. So any courts in any country in the world can accept international crimes, even uh, like perpetrators or, uh, or witness don't have a citizen of this country. So we have 20 countries now who open such uh, such case. For us, it's same really important because um, like with such huge big numbers of, uh, of cases, any system, uh, national system of justice can can cover it, can manage it. What we want to create, because International Criminal Court not covered in any system, international system not covered exactly, crime of aggression. So we propose to create a special tribunal uh, against crime of aggression. Why is that, Sasha, that the, the crime exists, the crime of aggression, but there's no forum mm -hmm. in which to prosecute that crime? Why is that the case? And why might Ukraine be the first example of changing that? It's because, uh, you know, politics without crimes making deals, it's not so popular few decades before, you know. Mm. So it's only now we, we, we speak with a big developed country and they not do that. Before that, they have them in, in their history. So it's really important to understand that it, it's not so easy, like uh, support idea, which you think that maybe someone can use it against you, like appealing about some situation in Iraq. So as for us, it will be really good uh, for high developed country. Do they accept that some of their actions in their history can be put in such court? As for me, it's really good um, good politics to give apologize for some what your country doing before it wasn't exactly was not in same values which we're using now yeah for ukrainian same have some some fact which exactly we need apologize for example our our participation in conflict in moldova uh, we need cover all the cases of war crimes but together with international representatives of court uh, give uh, their expertise give the hands because it's a lot and our system can cover it by just just the number of the people just imagine that you have a police you have a prosecutor system and you have a judges system all of a lot of these people have exactly ski, uh, skills to go to frontline and they do that so partly we have less numbers of, of people in this system because they take a gangs and go to frontline sasha the Centre's Nobel Peace Prize was awarded jointly with two others, including one Russian organisation. How has receiving the Nobel Peace Prize in a time of war impacted on the Centre and how has it been received in Ukraine? Uh, so not only Russian and Belarusian, uh, and uh, we collaborate with these people like Mm. A lot of years. Uh, together with them, exactly, we documented war crimes. When we don't have access from our side, they give us uh, support. So it's really, uh, really interesting because uh, Ukrainians have a freedom of speech. So any question which exactly Ukrainians put in, they put it publicly. But exactly, we are not totally understood context in Europe. I mean, when I started speaking with uh, Norwegian committee, uh, Nobel committee, uh, they are 
their ideas was support and put the light on role of civil society in such situation like autocracy regime or war because they want to support ideas that civil society can be really important part of prevention of war, of prevention of keeping the democracy, not broken the democracy. Because in Europe, popularity of civil society organizations start to be less, you know, and all of them, they told about that Russian is not good partner for business. So they, they have like totally other idea. And But here in Ukraine, to the, any situation when somebody just told us, so you are one population, you, are, you know, mm. you are not, you are not exactly don't have a difference. No, you're like Ukrainian, Belarusian and Russia, it's totally different society. And a lot of uh, really proactive people who exactly fighting in Belarus and Russia, they asking why we are not Ukrainians, why we can uh, resist, why we are not do Maidans, why we are, we are don't have such such many courages and such many skills to fight against it. And we support exactly people who fight in, in Russia and Belarus or going outside and trying to like change the situation inside Russia and Belarus. Sasha, it must be uh, a, a crazy experience to go from working in what is such important, but in some ways I imagine uh, heartbreaking and challenging work day to day, to then being on the international stage as part of the the Nobel Peace Prize and travelling around uh, extending the message of the work that the the Centre for Civil Liberties uh, does. Could you tell us a little bit about that experience and how you feel about uh, experiencing such um, unimaginable poles of, of different things? So it's always a lot of, you know, attention because in Norway it's only one kind, so it's a lot of attention. You feel it like you are Oscar, not even people who take Oscar. No, you like an Oscar. Hold the attention about you, you know. So it's really interesting to feel this, but you, 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 you feel not only this like like party mm. time but same like responsibility and mm. after this i going to represent center for civil liberty in stockholm i have a meeting with the king and queen they are really funny <laughs> you know, and like and that's it's it's so interesting because like Scandinavia at all and um, like uh, sweden and um, norway society is a totally equality you know it's totally it's like everywhere so they don't have this feeling of differences between like so, some social status something like this so when you, you when you speak with king and queen you see standing like this it's a queen. so but, but they are so nice that you just just at, at some moments we speak about some ghost story you know in the castle <laughs> so it's like it's so interesting because you see that the future of uh, possible society when each person feel self respect so exactly that what Ukrainians want. It's self-respect each person in the society. Russians don't, 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 don't believe in that because they're always dreaming about some king, some father who make a decision for them. But Ukrainians love be self-management. That's why we want self-respect for each one and you're responsible for your own life and for your own country. So in this way, we're really similar with Scandinavian society. So we... It's really good to see example, you know, how things can be. It's amazing and the work that the, the Centre for Civil Liberties does is is 
truly profoundly important and it's great to see that it's been recognised and it's been a great pleasure and a great honour to speak with you. Sasha, thank you very much. Congratulations. We wish you all the best for your, for your work um, and hopefully uh, we can see you someday uh, in Australia in happier circumstances. I hope I'm really interesting to be there, but not in the season of spider. It's not mine. <laughs> it's all year round, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sasha, and all the very best. Getting in touch with ABC RN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.